Hello, hockey world. How are you? Well, happy new year. Happy 2021. You know, I'm going to get the date wrong, but I'm going to try not to do my best. But uh, first, Russ, with something to say. All right, let's talk about tanking. So yesterday, the Philadelphia Eagles played against the, uh, the Washington football team, and they took out Jalen Hurts, who was the starting quarterback for that game, Carson Wentz didn't dress, and they took him out for the fourth quarter. Uh, before that, they were fourth on fourth and four on like the four or five yard line, or not the five yard line, about seven. No, on the five yard line. Five yard line, and and they went for it instead of kicking a field goal. That's a key part in this game. And then they went to Nate Sudfeld, who they haven't dusted off in a very long time, and of course they lost the game. Right. Well, by losing the game, they're drafting sixth now instead of ninth. But the fake outrage from Philadelphia radio and media is just abominable and poor doug peterson when he was on like philly radio this morning didn't know how to act like he wasn't tanking he's not very good at press conferences to begin with yeah, i know so for him to conceal the tank um he was bumbling stumbling all over the place it was just laughable well, I, yeah. what, as much as there was fake outrage in philadelphia there was real outrage in new york and i'm sure we're going to hear about this and i've already probably have heard about it from new york talk radio this morning all i can say is you know i have absolutely no sympathy for the giants organization that's won four super bowls in recent history you know it it's nice that a team gets their comeuppance every once in a while so suck on that one always making friends mike but uh, the one thing i'll say about this with the giants fans uh were you really expecting the Eagles to win that game for you? Really? No. Yeah. No. No. It's a. Like, I mean, I'm surprised they kept Hurts in that long. I know. Now yeah. the thing. Is, the thing is, going for it on fourth and four. Okay, they would have tied the game, but going for it on fourth and four, Hurts is not going to like purposely throw it out of the back of the end. No, zone. no, no. no. They, they went for it, but they also knew that's a low percentage play. The well, high but, percentage play is going for the field goal, which is a chip shot. Right, but but. You know, it was a well, the other thing of it, like, you know, I mean, you can the other thing of it, like, if you're playing and, you know, it doesn't matter if you win or lose kind of type situation, why not just go for it? Like, that's what I would have said if I was a coach. I'm like, listen, well, you, know, that's what did. Yeah, that's what you know, and, and I'm not saying, you know, obviously, obviously they, you know, they go to the other quarterback in the fourth three, fourth quarter. Well, right? Here's what was funny. So at first, Peterson was asked about Hertz being benched. And while Peterson was going to say he wasn't benched, he goes, oh, I get it. That's what the perception is. And then he goes, no, I we had this thought out well in advance that we wanted to play Sudfeld, right? Yeah. Well, okay, but you chose an awfully weird time to play Sudfeld yeah. because you could have played him for the whole second half if that were yeah. the case. Al, Al, Al Michaels was basically saying on the broadcast, Russ, he was like, yeah, he said to us that he wanted to see – whether there was a chance to get Sudfeld in, but we never thought it would be like when the game was within three points. Bingo. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, I think he. I think Doug got a call from Jeffrey Lurie, and he said, "I want the higher draft pick and take him out." That's what I think happened. Yep. This football season. And you know what? God bless him, because honestly, you know, if honestly, New York Giants, if you wanted to win the division, win another friggin' game. Do it yourself. Yeah, what were you gonna say about the season? No, I just feel this NFL season feels so messed up anyway to me. It is. It feels like it. I mean, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe it's hockey bias. Like to me, maybe I'm like, okay, the hockey playoffs were awesome and everything like that felt great. And well, it we're did. gonna feel some of this, I think, back for the NHL season. So don't. No, I do too. I think I think that, and I think that is something that we're gonna have to deal with. Um, well, here's here's 
here here's the thing that's weird uh is that like taking it take for example the AFC which yeah you know, each each side had an, an extra playoff team so it's seven teams making the playoffs look at the AFC the Kansas City's 14 and 2 or uh, 15 and 1 yeah. uh, uh Buffalo is 13 and 3 uh, Pittsburgh was twelve and four, I believe, and right. then the f- and then the four next teams, the the all the, the wild cards or the division winners, were all eleven and five. What that tells you is, like, there were some pretty. I mean, okay, two two and fourteen teams in the AFC. I mean, it was you were it was the haves or the have nots in the AFC. Yeah, yeah. No one in the NFC East can complain about not making the playoffs. I mean, that's like. <laughs> I mean, the NFC East is so terrible. Anyone yeah. who makes playoffs is a, gets a gift in and of itself. So to me, like the Giants can sit there and say we deserve to be in a playoff team. I mean, none. No, of them. you're right about that. And actually, um, on one of the post games, they asked Phil Simms, "So, what is the chance that an NFC game, NFC East winner, could win a football game?" And he was like, "Legitimately, zero um, percent." Well, <laughs> you know, battling it out. I mean, this is what happens all day long. Just yeah, like, well, yeah, yeah. I see that all the time. Well, this is this is the one thing, Russ. If you think that the, it's not fixed, stop it. Now the 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 brutal winner of the NFC East uh, hosts their the, the playoff game against Tampa Bay. So so Tom Brady gets a chance to basically it's like a cake to destroy ball. your team in the local market. Right. Enjoy. <laughs> all right, let's get going. All right. Hello, Hockey World. It is Monday, January 1st. <laughs> oh, my God. This is my favorite. This is the best that's ever been. This is just awful. Oh, my word. All right. This is my favorite, man. Did Mike just leave? Yes. Good. Way to go. Oh, my God. All right. I can do We're this. We're past the first. I'm going to give you that. No, it's not the first. I know it's not the first. <laughs> Mike, are you coming back? Yes. I'll start the show. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. I'm waiting. Hello, Hockey World. It's Monday, January 4th, 2021. I'm Mike empty chair. Yeah. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday to fill you in the comings and goings in the hockey world. And we are about to start hockey. We have like an incredible two games coming up tonight. We've got a lot to talk about here um, going on. I kind of wanted to start with the World Juniors because yeah. um, I think that this is just, uh, I think tonight we, you know, first of all, the, we had some really good games two days ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, that Sweden Finland game was outstanding. Yes. That was, that was like, just top notch. I mean, this is as good as it gets. And, and this, and and that that setting up the Russia the you know the the Russia um, Finland game, I mean the Russia the Russia Canada game today is just is just amazing. I mean yeah the, the, that you know and if you watch I mean if you don't get a chance to you know watch TSN ever but I do get a chance to watch Sports Center on TSN and watching today you can help but be completely and utterly fired up for the Russia Canada game tonight because they oh, did sure. a great they did a great job at selling like the you know and showing the past World Junior battles between these two teams and how how they've had some amazing games and. Bringing up the game, remember when Canada was down six one and brought it back to six five and hit the post with a minute left. Um, the crazy, and then and Russia ended up winning the winning the gold medal that way. And we've just seen so many crazy, crazy battles with these two teams. And this year, now I mean, this this Canadian team is just kind of silly. I mean, they well, they really up until this point, act, but they haven't really played anybody either. To be yeah. fair, no, that's true. And I thought the actual, I thought the actual. Um, concept of uh of the way they played against the czech team was rough i mean they they really should that game was too close for too yeah. long um, yeah it was never in doubt but it was close 
It was never in doubt. But then well, you were really about it, the shots were almost even in that game. And that was just the difference between like the U.S. and the Slovak game, which was also too close for a while. Oh, yeah. That was way too close, too. But the U.S. was like, was triple, sh- triple, tripling them on shots. You know, Canada and the Czechs were shooting. They, they had, shots ended up, I think, like the Canada winning by four or five shots, something like that. Yeah. It was a lot, okay. different, a lot different. Um, I, it just, it's just a fun, it's, it's, it's turned into a really, it's a fun final four, put it that way. It's a really yeah, fun. Oh, it's a, it's a great final four. I originally picked uh, Russia to win it all and I'm still sticking with them because I think, believe it or not, I think the, the one thing Canada, the only thing Canada has going against them is they may not have been forced to play their best game yet. Yeah. And, and that, you know, sometimes that could hurt you in a, in a tournament where you're playing teams. Yes, you're getting past them, but you expect to get past them. The, what if, we don't know. Canada's like not been behind two nothing in anything. Right, and Russia, they've, they've faced any diversity at all. Right. So what if Russia has gets them up to nothing? Sorry, adversity. <laughs> yeah. What if with Askarov and Net? What if Russia's up to nothing? Then what? Well, right. right. And then what? The I, thing I really what, want to see because Askarov has been amazing, and you're going to watch this. This is going to be incredible to see the Russian, the 21, you know, or 20 first rounders or whatever going after him. Act what I brought up on our off the post show on the weekend. Um, we had Chris Peters from ESPN on, and you know the question I have about Canada—they're, uh, they're—you know—they're Goliath, except for the goaltending. And Levi, their goalie, has played well. So I'm—you know—I may be barking up the wrong tree here, but their defense is fantastic. Even without Kirby Dodge, their forwards are deep and really talented. But Levi—he's a seventh-round pick of, I think, Florida. Yeah, Florida. Yeah, it's Florida. And, and you know he's having a really good tournament, but you know he's not Askarov. He's not. Uh, Spencer Knight. And he does have the highest save percentage in the tournament. He has the highest save percentage, and he hasn't faced a ton of shots. But no, we know we know from past World Juniors, Russ, that you know they that goalie gives up one goal early, and it starts to question whether he's up to the task. And you know, then the emotions carry forward. I mean, I well, you know, know interesting about save percentage, Mike. You bring it up, and I was thinking about this because I was looking at the save percentage number two, and I'm like, you know what? That what I never really thought about that. Not like that number. There's a lot to save percentage, right? There's there's always been a lot to it. We've always thought about the aspects to it. Okay, you know, some teams give up higher percentage shots. Um, there's other teams that you know, other goalies give up rebounds and things like that, and different things like that. They play into save percentage, but the one thing that plays in the save percentage that you're seeing in this tournament is the Canada, the Canadian defense is far better at clearing out rebounds than anyone else. Yes. And that and that that to me is where the save percentage gets a little bit skewed. I mean, like uh, Funky in the chat room said Askarov's coughing up huge rebounds. He is, but at the same time the Russian defense isn't helping him with No, it. and actually it's he doesn't always cough up rebounds. That's part of his game. There are some goalies yeah. that want to get it right and actually this is part of what Larianov wants to do. He wants to get it right to the defenseman and they want to get it right up the ice, but Eck is right. Yeah, for their top three, they're not as proficient at that. They're not, and and, and some of those rebounds he's giving up are shots that other goalies aren't stopping. By the way, there's like he's, he's giving up, he's making some incredible saves. So it's like you know when you look at Levi, who reminds me so much of Luongo in his style, it's it's weird. Right? I I could see that. He look he not everybody knew a lot about him. I didn't. There were a couple of guys who I know in scouting that apparently did. Yeah, and I, that's how I even knew he was alive. But you know, Junior A, he's playing yeah. for. Like, Carl, Carl, Carlton team in junior A. Then he goes to Northeastern, which he hasn't officially played a game for yet. Yeah. This is like unbelievable that Canada has used this guy. And if you think about it, Canada has no goalie controversy, which is odd to begin with. It is. And if Mike said, if they were going to pull Levi, they haven't played any other goalie. He's right. and, and normally if it's in Canada in the Olympics or Canada in the world junior around like game three of the round Robin, they pull, you know, they pull Cujo for, for Marty Brodeur or they pull yeah. Brodeur for Luongo or they pull, yeah. 
you know, somebody for somebody else. So there hasn't been any goaltending controversy and probably, I mean, obviously now that they're in the, in essentially the medal round or the semifinal, they're probably not going to pull them now. No, but, I don't think they're going to pull them because they haven't, the other guys haven't played. But, but I, but if yeah. you, if you're Canada, this is the hardest road to hoe, really. I mean, you're right, playing Russia. Right. It's always Russia and them are always. It's they're always. It's always tooth and nail uh, between the two. And then if the U.S. beat Finland, then it's Canada U.S. for the gold medal. Right. Yeah. That, that's the toughest road that they could potentially have. No question. I'll tell you the big matchup for me is when you have Podkolzin and Amirov and Cousins going against them on that top line with Connor McMichael. If they could somehow shut down Cousins, that would do a lot in derailing the Canadian team. Even though there's a lot of other great players, right. he's been driving the bus so frequently yeah. that other guys have sort of gotten lost in the offense at times. And so that would be – and the, Pat Colson is a is strong as a house. Like he could play in the NHL if he wanted to. When his contract is done, he will play for Vancouver. And so this is – you know, this is not an easy – Nobody would think it was easy for Canada, but they could definitely lose this game. No, I mean, they have the skill. I mean, skill-wise, they should obviously win. They have more skill, and their defense is better. But, yeah, but at the end of the day, I think you're right. And I think one of the things that's always been interesting when you go back through time with Canada, the difference between Canadian and American teams is in these tournaments, the, Canada wins it on their stars. They always have. Yes. Um, and America, the U.S. team tends to have, like, players come out of nowhere to help them. Um, yeah, and, you know, like third, third and fourth liners, things like that. I don't know what it is about the. I think you're right because I think shutting down the Canadian stars, there is something about like whether it's the Canadian mentality because all these guys are stars. All these guys in the Canada, yeah. they, if, any, if any of them are on the U.S., they would be on the first line. Well, talking about the, the Finnish U.S. game for a minute, yeah. so like the U.S. third line is not a real third line because I wouldn't have Bobby Brink on the third line. That line happens to be clicking, but again, yeah. Uh, how much ice time do you want to devote to a third line when you've got these other stars on the top two? That's where I think Brink should be in the top two. I'm not sure Kaliev has really earned all of his ice time. And Caulfield only got hot late. He was playing like lousy for, for a couple of games there. So yeah, he was. But he, he, the guy who I might move down. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. They, I, won't, they won't do it. But Brink, I think, but the U, that is also more of the U.S. mentality. Like the Canadian. The Canadians are definitely a top six, bottom six team. They always have been, you know, yeah. and everywhere. And you can put them, you can put them in the Olympics with a great with NHL All Stars, and they're still a top six, bottom six team. Mm -hmm. um, where the where the U.S. has always liked three or four lines, and I think the high the concept of Brink on the third line is just for that. I think yeah, the, but the way they're doing it is that USA Hockey after 2010 went to that top six, bottom six mentality. That was like that was the Brian Burke philosophy when it came to the Olympics. Yeah, into uh, in, in Vancouver, it was definitely a top six, bottom More six. More so, but it kind of went back. Yeah, it, it, it it's it's. It's not as ingrained into them as it is to Canada, like and and, and, and it's even more ingrained into Russia. I mean, Russia's top top line team for sure. Yeah, I, I'm going to give you with a no name guy for the U.S. team that lately has been playing really out of his mind in Drew Hellison, and yeah. he plays for BC. He is another Colorado Avalanche draft pick, and so if you think the Avalanche are just stocked because they have Byram coming yeah. and and they have Connor Timmins coming. Eventually, Drew Hellison will be coming too, and he doesn't get mentioned with those other guys. But he literally started this tournament off as like the seventh defense because they play seven a lot of these games. But he's yeah. been getting some top pairing time with Jake Sanderson. I can you can make the argument that Sanderson plays better with him than any other defenseman. So that's another guy who's come up. He scored a couple goals. Like that is where the U.S. does have it 
really a good roster in the sense that yeah. they don't have huge star egos. Even Trevor yeah. Zegers is not a high hard, high ego guy. Right. And I think that does help them. Not to say that all the Canadians have high egos. I'm not. But Zegers is a good example, right? Because he's a star now. But last time, last World Juniors, wasn't he like? He, oh, he had nine assists. He just didn't have a goal. He had nine assists. But he no, but he, but he wasn't. He was not playing on like top lines and came out of kind of nowhere. No, no he wasn't. But, but that's, that's, that's but that's normal for World Juniors because he was younger. That that that's not a big deal. But yeah, you have to pay your dues. You do. The, the yeah. big thing is, and, and this is the thing that I always I was just recently asked. Um, with Zegers and Cousins, right? Yep. You saw that Zegers was able to take a pounding in this tournament, came back, and yeah. still was really good offensively. The only thing I worry about Cousins is because he is a power forward and he's taken advantage of guys in this tournament being a power forward, yeah. he's got a great shot, but it's not fast like Zegers, and he doesn't have the quick release. It's really it's good, but it's not as quick as it's going to be yet. Yeah, I, That's where I kind of wonder if, if he's going to really be able to break in with the Sabres or not because – he has to score in certain spots where Zegers, you can see he scores a multitude of different ways. He does. He really does. It's fun to watch. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's fun. And I've really been in, really impressed with Cam York too. Um, yeah. York has done really well. He had, a, he had a couple of turnovers, but otherwise he's done really well. He got the turnovers, but he's got these, he has, he definitely has a something to his, like he's got an it factor to him that is definitely there um, to the point where you can't see well, he's him. He's got now. a pedigree. Yeah. He's got a pedigree being in the U S program. Yeah. And, the only thing is, is he he's not a no mistake guy like Jake yeah. Sanderson. Yeah. Honestly, and this is something that we talked about pre-tournament. If Sanderson was a year older, he'd be playing in Cam York's spot. I think the only reason he's not yeah. is because he's the younger guy. Mike, do you feel that way too? I, I'm not so sure. I mean, I, I, let's just say I've been I've really been impressed. With York, I think I think you know, but if you're if you're asking me like who the best defenseman in the tournament was, and when I, when I told you yesterday that we got a, a message, no, I'm playing for the U.S. team. Oh, for the U. Yeah, well, no, I I don't think Sanderson is that spectacular. I think he's just solid. He's solid. He's very, he's very solid. Point. solid. That's York is not solid defensively yet. He's good. Yes, he's really good offensively, but. But that's my point. Sanderson is solid defensively. But the thing I do like about both of them, and well-rounded, both, yeah. both of them have both of them have great vision, and both yeah. and, and York's York is is quarterbacking the whole team on defense at times, mm-hmm. which is something that you don't see very often. Like there's, there's like I say in the NHL, I've only seen a few guys that do that. Like Pronger did that. Um, Shea oh, Weber, Kel McCarr, does that. Kel McCarr does that. Yeah, yeah, Kel McCarr does that. Shea Weber was. Probably the best at it. Like and in Nashville, was like incredible. At you, if you if you ever watched a game low down when Weber was in Nashville, you would Weber would be telling every all four all the other four players on the ice where to be. Yeah, you time. especially at UMass, Cal McCarr did that in the Frozen Four. That's why they got to the Frozen Four because he yeah. literally would have the puck and everybody would be watching what he was going to do. But that's yeah, and it's, and it's also just like communication, like communicating, constantly communicating, and like positioning and set, telling guys who, who who they have. You've got this. You get your point guy. Get this guy. You're, you're seeing York do that, and it's kind of cool because of the you know no fans. You're getting to hear a little bit more of it too. But, to the point where I'm thinking to myself, like this guy, you know, for Flyers fans, you got to be pretty excited about the aspect of this guy possibly being like the actual pro partner that you're looking for down the line. But the, the, that dynamic, Russ, the, you know, the York Sanderson dynamic. I think it's it's apparent on Canada and it's apparent on Finland too. You've got. I think Byram is. I, I think Byram can step in the NHL right now. Yeah, no question. He, he is solid defensively. He's yeah. solid off. He's big. He will. Uh, Drysdale 
in terms of an offensive guy, might be more dynamic now and in the NHL. But Byram yeah. is the type of guy that's a top-pairing 25, 27-minute guy. Yeah. Um, on Finland, uh, I mean, I'm sure Pete is going to be very excited about Heinola, especially in that game against – Heinola now, Mike. It's no longer Heinola. It's Heinola? No, it's Heinola. Heinola. Oh, Heinola. God. I mean, come on. Give me a break. I know. I'm well, anyway, so Heinola – Remember, it was Patrick Lane, then it was Patrick Lane. Um, he played 27 minutes against Sweden, and he didn't start the tournament off good, but he was really good in that game, and he's been the dependable guy for Finland. But Niamela, who leads the tournament in offense, in offense, who's a Leaf draft pick, he's dynamic. He's an offensive guy on the power play. He's a power play quarterback. He, for a guy who's uh, five foot 11, 160 pounds, he's hitting people. I mean, yeah. you know, so we, I mean, now we don't know whether that's going to be the case in the NHL two or three years down the road, but it's, it's fascinating to watch. The U S is going to have a problem with Anton Lundell because um, if he's matching up on top line against Turcotte, he's going to beat Turcotte for faceoffs. Yes. If they match up a different line against him, Like whether, like if they if they go with Beniers line, Beniers could match Lundell. Maybe he's younger, but he's so good at faceoffs, he might be able to do something. But you know, that's that's a point where Lundell is now. He's been shining to the point where he could be a big problem for the U.S. Uh, the defenseman you mentioned and the Finnish goalie. I gotta yes. tell you, he's come yeah. on lately, and so really well. Cousins, hard game. Cousins and Zegers have been more spectacular offensively in this tournament, but Lundell might be the most ready to step into the NHL yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. And I think he will too. Um, I mean, I, I mean, it'd be Panther, right? And um, uh, Panther's first round pick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he feels like he's ready to play right now. I mean, Russ, really I, whether or not he does or not, who's still going to be determined. But uh, talking to some people, there, there's a lot. There's going to be a little bit of a more of a push to maybe see what if that's possible. Yeah. Um, at some point here, because he, he, I mean, I know what kind of contract he's got over where he's playing now. We're talking about Lundell. Yeah, I'm not sure what his contract is either. You know, but he, yeah, he would have to, he would have to make the Panthers to stay in the NHL. Right, I know he'd have to make the Panthers to stay in the NHL, but I, that Panthers, that Panthers forward, there's there's a lot of positions available at the Panthers. The Panthers. Well, right. apparently they, you know, like we talked about the other day, they they're, I don't I don't like that Quenville did this, but he's already like, well, Duclair's going to play on the top line. And he's going to play with Barkov and Huberto. And it's like, okay, Joel, like you want to put – everybody seems to put this pressure on Duclair immediately. Right. He can never creep up on you in camp. He's never allowed. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, he's got he's got all the skill in the world, but it, it's like consistency. You know, I mean, yeah. it's funny. He kind of reminds – and this is a really – you know, everybody hates the com comparison of, of like Alexander Digg to anybody. But let's take away the Digg part of like him being the first round draft pick and all of right, that. Right. But just with what they can do on the ice at times, mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, at times Dig would just completely dazzle you, and and, oh, yeah. and and you know, and Duclair can do the same. He can absolutely dazzle you, but then disappear for long stretches of time. So, I mean, I think it isn't, and and, and that is a perfect transition to this next point that I would well, like. Actually, to I was going to just answer Bill C. I think the reason yeah. Mike said Lundell can't has to be on the NHL roster or not is because I don't think his team would let him leave for an AHL. Yeah, he's got a European reassignment clause. Right, right. He's, he's got a European reassignment. He's, so with, he's with uh, HIFK Helsinki in the SM Liga. And the NHL teams are happy about because they, right. they, 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 they don't, the AHL is, is something they're very, and the uncertainty of the AHL, the uncertainty yeah. of the AHL right now, they're not going to they're not going to have a, a player who's established and playing in Europe 
uh, come over and play in the AHL. Where right now it's going to even if they do play, it's probably going to be a little bit of a chaotic situation. Yeah. I think you know, a lot of a lot of the European prospects who are playing over there are just going to return there and finish the season out. Yeah, I think that's too. Now that brings me to the next transition, which is always the fun part of training camps open. And this is right up. This is right to Mike because I know Mike you wrote about this, and I know this is what's going to happen now. Who's going to play with who? You know, we talked about, you know, Quenville says, you know, Duclair is going to play on the top line and the Leafs come out today and put yes. or not today or over the weekend. Yeah. No, it was, it was funny. Cause I was on the, I was on the, uh, the zoom call. And nobody asked Sheldon Keefe about the line combinations because they figured, you know, I mean, it's just going to be basic, like whatever. And then he says, by the way, nobody asked me about this. So I'll just uh, volunteer, which is, which is funny. Cause it's like, it, it's almost like he wanted that to be the story. And yes, he definitely wanted that to be. I have something, I have a theory about that, Mike. So let's, well, let's go through the line combinations to explain to people who don't know what's happening. Here so, right so now that, uh, I would be conspiratorial minded if it wasn't for this. They have 10 days of training camp. They're not going to throw away three or four days playing a combo that has no chance to play at all in the regular season. Uh, you know, I, so I think that they will at least start out with the season with right. Joe Thornton playing on the left wing with Matthews and Marner. Honestly, I don't think Matthews and Marner are going to stay together. I think they did that at part of the time last year, and then they put Marner back with Tavares, and they put Neilander back with Matthews. But right now it's Thornton playing with Matthews and, Mar and, and Marner, uh, Jimmy VC playing with Tavares and, and Neilander. Yeah. And then the third line is a pure checking line of Ilya Mikheyev, uh, uh, Alex Kerfoot, and Zach Hyman switching over from the left side to the right side. And then the fourth line is Barabanov, Spezza, and Wayne Simmons. Okay, so, so interesting thing about this, Mike. Yep. Well, I'm going to throw my theory out before you go on because I know you, this is – I believe that this is the anti-Mike Babcock play. And, my, the, and, the, and here's why. Because last year, okay, if you remember, you bring in Spezza, right? Oh, yeah. You're bringing these other guys, um, and Babcock basically buries them immediately. And what they've done now is by bringing – they brought in the two guys they're bringing in. Mm -hmm. They're amplifying them to, like, to beyond, like, we're not burying you. We're and just to show kind of like a little bit of GM and coach synchronicity here. Yep. And, you know, the GM went out and got these guys. I'm putting them on the – they're going to be in our top six yeah. right now to start with. Not forever, but just as a, like a, to them, to say to them, I don't think Joe Thornton would have signed in Toronto unless he was told you're going to get an opportunity to play not all the time top six because you're 41 years old, but a chance to play in the power play, a chance right. to play with Matthews and Marner. It's no, I'm not sure. Yeah. They're, they're not going to do that. I don't, I don't think that would be you know like a, 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 what, like a what might, what might made like a, this has to happen type thing, though. I don't. That's what Mike Babcock did with Jason Spezza last year may cost him any chance at ever getting another job in the NHL because he dicked around a, a NHL veteran who was well-liked in this league. They promised him that he could play, yeah. and then they scratch him against his old team on opening night. It was the ultimate backstab. With family in attendance. Yeah, with his family. It shows, like the coach and GM not being – it shows a lot of – there's a lot of things that happen in that situation beyond, beyond just Spezza. You know, it's like – and, no, but, but that's been go, but that's been going on. That's been going on for like four or five years. When Lou Lamorello picks up Frankie Corrado off of waivers, and then Mike Babcock, Babcock spitefully says, "I'm not playing this guy because you didn't consult me to pick him up." Right? Screw right. you, Babcock. What are you doing? Yeah, that was that was that was one of the big time beginnings of the ends of Babcock. Many of them, but that, yeah. that there are many there. But this this to me feels much more like that. I mean, I can 
when I look at these lines, you correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. So I'm going to I'm going to talk first, and then I want you know the team better than me, better than anybody here. Um, I look at Marner and Thornton um, as both playmakers. As as, yeah. as as they're both that's really what they're they're top. I mean, Mar Marlowe can score, Thornton can score. They both can score, but they're both playmakers. Yeah. And and I see Matthews as a finisher, right? So you have two wingers working to a two winger playmakers working to a center finisher. That's rare. We don't see that very often. Well, ironically, Marner said yesterday. I'm going to have to find spots, like find soft spaces in the zone yeah. for him to get me the puck. Yeah. He, he needs to score. He knows that Thornton's job on that line is to is to set up Matthews or to set him up, and that, that Marner has always been more concerned with that pass-first mentality so that he's going to have to adjust his thinking. And a lot of people think that he has to because if you're paying a guy – almost 11 million dollars he's got to score more than goals. Yeah, goals. yeah i get that but i uh, but the, both of those guys are guys that that are used to having the puck a lot like yeah. mm -hmm. um yeah matthews also of course is another guy who used to having the puck a lot um although matthews i think is better is better sometimes not having the puck than marner is um and i think well, that, he could survive not having the puck marner can't because Matthews is fantastic at finding where to go without the puck. Yeah, he gets rebounds. Matthews gets that's rebounds. That's the game, right. So, but, you know, but Matthews and, and now Thornton, you know, watching Thornton a lot because I'm a Sharks guy, watching him a lot over the years, I, I, you know, I do think he'll be better on the power play than he will be not. On yeah, because his passing is still great. His passing is still great, and he's and he, but he and he doesn't do a whole lot off the rush. Well, I'm, he, I'm not. I I don't know how much power power play time he's going to get. I mean, unless they want to yeah. divvy up their power play. Their power play last year was Tavares, Marner, Matthews, Nylander, and either Barry or Riley. Uh, this year, it's going to probably be the same. And the only way I see Thornton maybe uh, supplanting anybody is taking Nylander off the top power play and have him either be in front of the net or at the side of the net, like a like a JVR type of situation. Or he plays it's, the second. Power play. Or he plays the second play. power play, but I mean, they may that may be where they take the advantage of Thornton and his playmaking ability is on that power play because he's a great pass. He's still a great passer. And he's well, and, right and Thornton makes a good point. Like they don't respect his shot. It's true. Nobody thinks Joe Thornton's going to score a goal. So <laughs> nobody thinks that. But here's the thing about Thornton that is underrated and that he has still and hasn't lost in the game. Um, and at least got two of these guys actually, um, and they actually picked up two of these guys in the off season. <laughs> Um, Thornton's amazing along the boards. Like he, yeah, he's good on the board. He picks up, you know, he wins board battles still. Like even at his age, he, he comes out with a puck. It's just because he's got quick hands and he just he just finds the puck and gets out with the puck. Simmons amazing along the boards, right? Yeah. Um, Wayne Simmons, same thing. Wayne Simmons is one of the best. You know, what not as good? Not he's not there anymore. But just a couple years ago, was maybe the best along the boards in the yeah. NHL. So no, these, I do. Guys, I I'm sorry. I was going to say, I do have, um, I was at Flyers camp. I have some notes from there. Yeah. yeah I want to hear about that. And some other around the league, but okay. Let's so go, let's, let's finish off with this thought. So yeah, finish up. then the idea of, um, okay, so we can buy Thornton being a top six guy, but can we buy, <laughs> um, you know, the, the other guy that they're throwing up there in the top. Jimmy VC. Jimmy VC no, being a top Jimmy six Vesey guy. On Toronto. Be, I don't, that, that, I don't see that. I don't see VC over Hyman at all in any oh, way. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. What I think is at work here. First of all, is they want? Uh, I think Keith wants a checking line. He wants a, de a dedicated checking line, and Mikheyev and Hyman with Kerfoot is a. It will be a very good get under the skin type of checking line. What also is it in? I think in effect here is Hyman's in the last year of his contract. Last year he scored 21 goals in limited games. He scored a ton of points. They have no. They have, they have no 
obligation to VC after this year, but they, they probably think he can score 20 goals playing with Tavares and Nylander. If uh, Hyman scores 20 to 25 goals again, they're going to be paying him five million bucks and probably not be able to afford keeping him. But if he plays a checking line, he scores a little less. He wants to stay in Toronto. They'll probably be able to pay him in the you know four to four and a half range. I think that's part of the thinking. I think in in the end, it's what it's what makes it a deeper and more talented lineup. And I think VC, you can ask Russ. I think VC is a capable offensive player. He's yeah. not a top line guy. If he's playing with Tavares and Nylander, he could score twenty goals. I mean, he definitely could score close to 20, 17, 20, something like that, sure. And when he played at Harvard, he did do everything, right? He was a top liner. He played in every possible position. But since he's been in the NHL, you know, he is a little bit diminished in the NHL for what you we all thought he could do. And he's not the best skater. He's pretty good defensively, so that he won't hurt him there, but – and he's, good, and he's good along the boards. He's and good I, along the boards. I do think it's a bit of a reach, though. I do. Well, I'm, let's just say this. I think he is a better finisher than Ilya Mikheyev. I like Ilya Mikheyev. Sure, I would better. say that. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's either Mikheyev, and they played Mikheyev on that line in the playoffs, and he did not finish. He had opportunities and did not finish. And I think VC has a better opportunity, at least to start the season. He's a receiver, so you have that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think I think Hyman is going to find his way back into the top six, and I I understand. I totally agree that I, I agree that you know I understand the checking line concept, and it is a good, it's a smart idea. Um, but we'll see. You know, we'll see. Did I see Simmons on the third line? Fourth line. Fourth line. Okay, fourth line. Barabanov, Spezza, yeah. and and Simmons. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how Barabanov's going to fit in there, honestly. Well, they have to. Russ, this is the thing. They they promise these KHL guys an opportunity. They, you know, Barabanov up front and Miko Lettinen on the on the blue line. They can't recruit them. No, no, I get it. But giving him eight minutes a game on the fourth line or nine minutes a game is not going to. It's really better help. than playing for the Marlies. I guess. Yeah, I would. I would have actually, and I this maybe maybe I'm really stupid saying this, but I would have liked to have seen them give Spetsa some time on the second line and see what happens. Like I would, I would have gone that way. Is over. Well, he was spot. He was spotted at times. I was spotted there, and I. I and I think it might be a probably play on the second power play unit, but I think that he, uh, you know, I think that you have to. I would, I would have liked to have seen. Now there is always the argument, you know, that players who play with more skill. We'll see. We'll find out if VC is the kind of guy that, when playing with skilled players, he plays better because he's never played with this kind of skill before. No, this no. is this is the one thing that I think Leaf fans can look forward to, and they got a they got a, a, a preview of this with Keith after Babcock was fired. He likes to mix and match yeah. things every once in a while. So you could see on, you know, like late in the third period, if looking for the tying goal, Thornton with Tavares and Spezza. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He'll, just, he'll just mix and match and throw yeah, them yeah. together. So, for I sure. mean, you know, in the playoffs, he put Tavares with Marner and Matthews. He had to. Right. Nobody else yeah, well, you got to start scoring, right? So that's what they're going to do. Um, all right, so let's go to let's go to Flyers camp, Russ. What was it like today? What's going on now? All right, so it was interesting. I mean, it was great to actually be somewhere. Yeah. Um, watch how NHL hockey players perform. Yeah, it, but it was interesting because, like, as an example, um, Noel Patrick looked really good. Did he? His speed's there. His timing is there. Uh, he was getting good shots off. Nobody's really hitting him though. They're in the scrimmage. Like there was a little bit of incidental contact with certain players, but but not much so, but this is the furthest he's gotten. Like he didn't even get this far last year where he could play in a 30 minute scrimmage without anything going wrong. So it's definitely a step in the right direction for Nolan Patrick, but I'm not gonna write him in the lineup yet because 
I don't know what's going to happen when he has to face hits right. and he gets a few hits. Um, we did see Sam Moran get get hit down low, like it was a weird kind of thing, and he and he went down for a minute and got back up, and everybody was like, "Uh oh, how's this?" You know, second ACL, but he was okay. The interesting thing is, you know, I wrote about this. I spoke to Shane Malloy about it, and the thing about him playing left wing is. In theory, it seems like it, it could happen, and, and Nick Delorier was the guy Shane gave me that um, had, you know, had done it for Anaheim, and he's scored 12 right. goals. With Moran, and again, he doesn't have a lot of time. We're talking about you know nine, ten days to to get this done. Uh, there are some things he doesn't know how to do yet. He okay. doesn't know how to. His timing in the crease wasn't good. Like when he was in the crease and the puck's coming and stuff, that's not stuff he's used to. So there was a little bit of awkwardness there. Um, you know, dump it in the corner, fine. Playing hard in the corner, fine. Actually made one good defensive play and he one, made one good headband pass because he was a defenseman. But those little nuances of being a left winger, playing off the wall, the vision's different, and around the net is different. Because yeah. as a defenseman, your whole agenda is different around the net than being a scorer. Those are the little things that I don't know if he's going to pick up in 10 days, but he'll probably be on the taxi squad. And the thought is because technically he could play defense if you had to put someone in if there was an injury. So That's nice. I mean, that, that is the best. That, that, is a, that is a nice thing to have. Like on your fourth line in the NHL, the, you know, I, was, I, think, I think it was Scotty Bowman who once said, the more weird things your fourth liners can do, the better. Right. And I do think there is something to it now. When they were sort of in transition, Sam was a little shaky. Um, before the scrimmage, he made like a do-or-die pass from the from the wall to the middle, and it happened to work out. But then Terrian pulled him aside and started chatting with him because in a game, you know, if that gets intercepted, it goes the other yeah. way. Yeah. It's probably a breakaway, right? So these are the things he has to learn. Um, but, you know, there's a chance. I would you say can see a, that you can see some like – the thing about Moran, when he first came up, like the very first camp we saw him, I think mm -hmm. we were all kind of blown away by his abilities. Like he, he looked really good. Abilities. His skating was bad. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. His, his skating was bad, but his his actual like puck control and his his vision and, and his ability to yeah. move. And his transition was really fast. Like he was a very fast transition. Yeah, that's, that's a little shaky now, I think, after the two knee surgeries. He's yeah. different now. Yeah. Um, but I can say that, you know, I felt, you know, it's not that much different than you feel from like, you know, from like a Burns who like went to defense to offense, same kind of, same kind of stuff, you know, or even Bufflin yeah. guys who had that, to, you know, like you can see Moran has some skills, like there's skills. Oh no, no, definitely. For his size that you don't expect. And he's a hard worker. And so, yeah. like I said, I think there's a chance. Um, one of the biggest eye openers, and of course, it's already getting diffused. Uh, Vigneault was like, well, you know, today Justin Braun played with Provorov, but tomorrow Provorov will be with someone else. But clearly he wanted to see Braun with Provorov first. And I do think that's what's going to end up happening. But we know what's going to happen in a the game. There are going to be dead spots in the game where Braun is just dead tired. And they're going to have to put somebody else up there for minutes. Maybe it'll be Myers. Maybe it'll be Stanheim. Somebody to fill yeah. in some other gaps. But I guess Braun is going to end up being that number two at key times in the game, let's say. I think Haig will be mixing with LeBron, probably. Yeah, Haig. actually, I got to see. Haig was playing. I'll look it up who Haig was playing with. Uh, I know that. Um, Myers and Gostaspier were together. Um, Gostaspier, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't look great for Gostaspier. I will say that. It really doesn't. 
I, what do you do with him? Why do you say that? Well, timing doesn't look great. Uh, there was a play where Morgan Frost in the um, in the scrimmage got the puck around middle of the ice. They're in the offensive zone, and he literally went like that, turned the corner, and yeah. turnstile Gostasphere, yeah. no problem at all. So Frost yeah. looks even a little faster than he used to be with the explo explosiveness, and Gostasphere <laughs> couldn't do anything about it. That's not a good sign. No, that's not a good sign. And I'm not, and I don't know if that'll get better in camp. Like I, yeah, not, you know, yeah. Um, that's where I think you have a little bit of a problem. Um, it is Frost again, and, and you know, Frost has crazy speed, you know. And if he's looking faster, and if he's in, if he's got that explosiveness, he can make, he can do that to a lot of defense in the NHL. Well, so, yeah. The one, the one thing about Moran, I mean, I just, I just checked. He's he has to clear waivers if he goes yeah. to the NXT squad. So. I don't know if he's in any danger of being claimed by it, but with his size. I think early on, no, but at some point there might be. Right. So, I mean, either he's making the 23 or they're going to try to sneak him through waivers to get him onto the taxi squad. I mean, if he, if he, honestly, he would benefit if there is an AHL season, if he's going to make a position yeah. change to go down to the AHL for 2025 games and play the wing and get used to how playing it and play it every night. And then, then maybe he could, you know, then they could take advantage of his size on a fourth line, be a crash and bang type of winger. But I can't, I can't just, I really can't see putting somebody in a position that they're not used to in an NHL situation after a ten day training camp. No, I don't. I don't care to the player. I think he's going to work towards it. I, I don't think it's going to happen. But I'm going to give you a, a camp battle that will be an interesting one. It'll be Tanner Lasinski versus Linus Sandin. I could see that being a battle for a bottom pair, you know, a bottom yeah. line spot, fourth line spot. And it's interesting because Lisinski had core surgery, so he wasn't allowed to practice with the team. But you know me, I get there early. And so I got to see Lisinski on the ice doing yeah. drills, and he looks great. He looks like he's even five to seven pounds more muscular. He was already a strong kid. The shot's great. Yeah. So if you'd have told me he had core surgery, I would say, really? I wouldn't even have known. Yeah, right? he's a he's a he's a really hard worker. He's a good, yeah. He's a really underrated guy who um, you know, like I've talked I've talked to other people. Funny, I get calls, you know, because because we watch the Flyers so closely, mm -hmm. I'll get calls from people uh, from scouts and things like that from other teams yeah. saying, you know, what about what what's his deal and stuff like that. And there are more people interested in him than you would think around well, the league. He was a star at Ohio State, like he yeah, was. They, really they, good. they remember that, and they and they really and they also just see him as like you know as a guy that might fall through the cracks of the Flyers or oh, you know, yeah, I can see that. Pick him up someplace else, you know. He's one of those guys that you got. He would be one that you would have a tough time with waivers on. I think because of, of just just based on the amount of people I've heard that interested in him over the years. Yeah. Now the thing about Sandine, what's interesting, it's Linus's. Linus is the older brother of Rasmus, right. and and he's a forward. He he's a really good defensive forward, but he where he played in Europe, he was a big time scorer. When I interviewed Zion Nybeck before the draft, HV seventy one, he is a teammate of Sandine, and he yeah. spoke him to the to the hilt as yeah. far as being like a leader and their best scorer and a hard worker and he taught him how to be a pro off the ice wow. so, so this is a guy who's got a legit shot at making the team but someone like Lisinski could steal the spot from him or if somebody gets injured then they both might make it like that's yeah. that's an interesting one um someone's asking about allison allison looked really good um this is the first time i've seen allison play where i wasn't worried about his knees i mean right. last year in, in rookie camp he was talking about his knees he still had a really good college season but he was he was still in pain i hope he's out of pain because he played the corners really well 
and he played the crease really well. And the Flyers don't have a lot of guys that play the crease really well. True. Now, if Allison is healthy, he could make the team. Now, I think a big factor with not only the Leafs and the Flyers, but all these teams, is the decision that apparently is going to come down either today or tomorrow regarding the AHL. Because um, now, Russ, you were saying, and I think this is the case, I think that even if the AHL says we're going forward, there are going to be some organizations that are going to say financially we can't deal with this. Yeah, we were talking about it in the press box. Yeah, I heard that too. There's Um, definitely teams that are not going to play. Um, like Lehigh Valley is going to play, right? The Flyers. But yeah. the thing that's unknown is will Lehigh Valley be asked by the league to take other players on loan from other organizations because their team isn't playing? Right. That's something that has been thrown around a lot. We don't know the answer to that yet. Now, the, no. And, I, I think that, and I'll say one thing I heard about that, Mike. And then you yeah, know, yeah, the, the one thing I heard about that is the. There, are, there is a there is a belief out there that the NHL may help the AHL out and make it so all the teams can play. Okay, uh, I don't know how that's going to happen exactly, and I don't and I don't know everybody. You know, there's it's kind of like you know socialism. You know, which with there for the for the end. You know what I mean? And and it's like that's okay, you know, but you need to keep the AHL strong. The AHL has to keep going. Yeah, but can the AHL mandate it? That's the big question. Can they mandate you, the Flyers, taking no. on, let's say, Vancouver no, Canucks players? Well, this is this is the thing, Ross. How can they do that when the Flyers and the Leafs, their ECHL teams, have been shut down? They opted out. So, okay. You know the Leafs have three or four prospects that they really want to get. You know, have yeah. play that they're not going to be able to play with Newfoundland. They want to play those guys with the Marlies. What they're going to be forced to take Rochester players? I would tell yeah. you, we don't know, Mike. But there's going to look. We know there's not enough jobs to go around. But I, it, it is a valid question to ask. Like I don't know who Vancouver's ECHL team, but let's say Utica doesn't play because Vancouver goes. It's not worth it to us because we can't even bring these guys up even if we wanted to, because of the quarantine. So what if they don't have an ECHL team? Yeah. Then a team like Vancouver needs to be able to put prospects somewhere. And the border with the AHL is another issue, too. And if it's Toronto, tough luck, Mike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, that there's a lot. I mean, you know, there are there is precedence for this, like of teams having to take other players on. We've seen it before. and No, but only with the independents, not with a franchise team. That's the no, difference. But yeah, that's true. But you know what's funny is that you see this a lot more in, like, European soccer. Yes. Yeah. Oh, when you see it in European – look, everybody's on loan in Europe right now, like from the NHL, at least the right. ones they want back. Right, right. You see these loan, these loan players a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and you know the, what I've heard is the debate between, okay – because the AHL is full of like three kinds of players. It has like you have your star, you have your you have your future stars who are like just getting some stuff down there, and then you have like your you know these guys might make the team but are probably career AHLers but they're still young. And then you have your career AHLers who are older, well, making money and helping, but but you know usually important because they are help not only help guys like they're like coaches on the ice for these guys. Yeah, the dorm, basically the bull dorms of the AHL. You know that's yeah, what yeah, I was, yeah. Here's 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 Those are the guys that might be in trouble if you start loaning players out. Well, here's the interesting situation that's yet to be resolved, and we won't know probably for at least a couple of weeks wh- whether it will be resolved or not. Say, for example, Buffalo with Dylan Cousins and Jack Quinn, both uh, Dylan Cousins playing left left bridge in the WHL. Quinn plays for Ottawa in the OHL. Yep. Uh, Nick Robertson, who's uh, 19 years old and uh, 
if the OHL starts up again, uh, would either have to play for the Leafs or go back to the OHL. Now, if the OHL and the WHL and the Q don't start, can these players play in the American Hockey League? And I would think that they would be able to since the league that they're obligated to isn't playing. But if right, they, but when are they going to announce that they're not right, playing? Like I right. said to you, because right. the Q is playing very few regular season games and are planning to go almost directly into the playoffs, right. if the OHL adopts something like that, they may not say anything until March. Right. Right. They're going to try to stay on. Yeah, that's what I've heard, actually. And it, okay. it's a problem. I mean, now he's even thinking of like, you know, the players who are playing right now in the World Juniors, guys like Cam York, who would, you know, we talked about earlier, who would he, yeah. want, he wants to be in Flyers camp. You know that. But he's going to have to, he's going to have to wait seven days for quarantine. Right. He's committed to Michigan. He's not he's going to be in Michigan, but this, you would, you did in tech, you know, traditionally. Could he do it? Sure. But I don't think it would happen. Yeah, no, I don't think it's going to happen either. But it's it is interesting this year. You know, the, the obviously these players playing college hockey, you know, mm -hmm. are, are okay. But the ones who aren't playing college hockey, but are not able to join the NHL teams right now, and would maybe have a chance of making that NHL team if this was October. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, there have been some college players that went back to the USHL. Yeah. I also, some have gone to the North American Hockey League, which is going on. So, yeah. you know, they're trying – a lot of guys were smart. Like Matt Berniers was a Harvard guy, and I guess when his camp got word or thought that maybe that the Ivies weren't going to play this year, he transferred and he got the okay to transfer to Michigan. But right. you know, a lot of players – and I, I can't say a lot, but I would say some star players were able to do that, but a lot of players can't do that. Right. You but, see, you know, Randy brought it in the chat room, and this is a really good point, and this is why I brought it up before, and I still hear it, and I still heard it over the weekend again. And it's not like a, it's not likely to happen at all. But the concept of 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 you know, of like he says, Edmonton and Calgary might have to move their teams to Canada. Their no, they, they basically ruled that out. They, they said can't that do that, right? Financially, it would not be feasible for them to do it unless, unless we're talking about the like you said, the NHL. Financially supplementing the AHL no, or the NHL or the NHL B team type concept. Where but I think they would have done it already. And yeah, and the the, the reason they, I mean they really wanted to and there was a point where there was pushing really hard I, months a month ago when i was writing about it but um but re there's obviously so many politics involved with with ahl teams and, and so many different situations that you know and there are ahl teams that definitely want to play they're, they're playing no matter what and they and the ahl is like very rogue in that way like some teams will be like we're playing but we don't care if you say there's no league we're going to form our own league and they've heard all kinds of things from ahl ahl is the wild wild west okay i understand these teams are yeah. linked they're linked to nhl teams but they're also not um so they have they depend on the NHL teams, but they're also their own little their little businesses. Like these people, yeah. they're their own industries. They're their plan. Some of these guys are like, we're going to play with fans. Uh, you've heard all kinds of things from AHL teams. So that's why the NHL couldn't get the B team concept going. Yeah, no, I uh, can see that because you're right. I mean, it's different owners. They're, they, uh, they're loosely affiliated, but those owners have nothing to do with the ownership of the big teams. In most cases, and so yeah, I mean, they're like restaurants, you know, they got the yeah. restaurant hotels. They're really like a, it's like an independent hotel, like from your hotel industry day business yeah. day. You know, like the concept of best Western hotels, you know, where you have the independent hotels, yeah, and the, the, that were quote best Western hotels at times. Yeah. That's what the the HL teams kind of remind me of that. Like they are. I I prefer yeah. the I prefer the worst Eastern hotels over the best Western ones. All right, there you go. Some other right. interesting stuff. So. We noticed that Brian Elliott seemed to have backup pads on. And after talking to Jason Martinez a little bit, who's really tuned into the goalie stuff, yeah, it seems like maybe Kay Whitmore may have the hardest job in the NHL right now, having to approve all the goalie equipment. Because I kind of wonder yeah. 
if goalies are going to get their new stuff a little late, not too yeah. late to start the season, but I kind of wonder if his office is backed up. We haven't heard anything about this, but I'm curious. Yeah, that's, a really, yeah. that's a really interesting story. I should I should look into that more. Is, is, K, is K measuring the pads virtually? <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I don't know how any of it's going, but all we know that Elliot was wearing pads that had no flyers insignia on it whatsoever, which is odd. It had their colors. And so I so said, probably, hey, there probably is new pads. He's trying to figure He's trying to, to figure, I mean, you, if you're a goalie, your pads are like everything to you. And, they are. and I said to Jason, maybe those are it and they'll just wrap them. And he goes, no, I don't think so. And I said, okay. Well, or they could, you know, I mean, these guys definitely have like a couple sets of pads. It could be the yeah. same size. He could be learning. He could just be working on the size issue mm -hmm. and the other pads are already getting like painted or whatever, or this is that that's happening. But yeah, the size issues. Like I, I'm, like I say, I still wear my deer, you know, my deer hair. Yeah, yeah yours are crazy. I don't even but, know. But I've tried so many others. I tried like someone gave me like a was one guy's like, oh, you know, I had a hockey shop. He's like, here, no, these are like six hundred dollar pads. I'll give them to you. Just try them out. Play with them. I play with them. And I was horrible in them. I never wore them again. <laughs> you know, maybe it wasn't their fault, but it's just you know superstition and everything like that. Yeah. Like, All right, so let's talk about Pierre Luc Dubois because we do okay. have that um, before we run out of time here. Yeah. Um, we have two players now. Um, we have Pierre-Luc Dubois, and then we have um, Patrick Lane, who where the barber is showing photographs. Um, we have those, <laughs> we have these Patrick Laine now, as you know. Um, that was a joke for your Beatles fans out there. Um, but yeah, Patrick Laine and Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, both quietly wanting, saying now, actually, you're hearing it, that they want out. Okay, so Dubois, especially, um, not... You know, and, and the funny thing is, Kukulain, Kukulain in there is a very, very tight-lipped guy. Does not like to talk about anything like this. I, have a, I, I, I don't, you know. I, I have a, actually have a quote here from uh, Ken Weeb, uh, who covers the Jets, uh, from Patrick Laine. Uh, he was asked about all the speculation. Yeah. He says, I'm here right now. Right. <laughs> whenever, oh, whenever somebody says that, you know that this That's is not good. good. I'm here right now. That's all I'm worried about. I just want to play. I'm not worried about all the talk and all the speculation. Oh, uh, Patrick, you're lying through your friggin' teeth. No, and, and, and Patrick Laine is a, let's just face it, a much larger distraction than Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, that's not to say that Pierre-Luc well, Dubois. Torts already talked about it. At Torts. I know. That's the other thing. So he's he already. He's going to openly talk about it and yep. keep everybody updated on it. That's not a good thing. No, and you don't want to be that guy in a tort on a torch team like this is not going to get easier for Pierre-Luc Dubois um as things go on if he thinks that if he thinks the torch is going to be able to like separate this out and just he's not you know we know this right this is clear as day it doesn't happen that way it never has and you know Dubois is going to always second guess like if I'm not playing on this power play why am I not on this thing why am I not this da, 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 da. that kind of stuff really it doesn't play out well for him moving forward here um, but I think that, and, and, and yet here they are two players, two very good players, two players, you know, and the funny thing is someone brought this up to me too. Like remember Pierre Luc Dubois, like not to say the Jackers took a chance on him, but they did like, they went out of their way to draft a kid way higher than he should have been drafted or was reportedly. No question. But at the end of the day, when Yarmo says I had offers of two years, three years and eight years and he takes two. Yeah. That's not a good sign. No. Um, that well, and the, but the only benefit of two years, of course, is they still they still retain him. So I know, but it still makes them very tradable, especially when the first year the number is low. This is a trade. This is a contract to be traded. There's no choice about it to me. Like this is this is a clear contract. Um, Yarmo will go out there and he'll he'll try. You know, you're going to have to take a lot on. But this is definitely a guy. Like if you're looking to, and I want to tie this into somebody for a second because I heard this just before I got on the air and I wrote about it. I hinted towards it today. 
But I'm going to tie this into the situation happening with Matthew Barzell in in um, in on the island. Now Barzell, okay, obviously he's doesn't have a contract yet. He was put on the training camp roster today, right? You know, um, which is not necessarily weird. That, but that's normal. A little bit, but at the same time, you know, You're not going to keep him off the roster. Actually. Not, but but you know, he's put he's put into the like you know this is you know like the sheets that you guys that you guys get handed. Yeah. Out. Yeah. He's on that. Imagine um, if he wasn't on the sheets, what would happen? Yeah, that's a bigger deal, right? So it becomes a bigger deal. Although with Lou Lamorello, you know, I'm trying. I I, I I wonder. It's, it's I really protection. I'm wondering if Nylander was on those sheets back then, was he? <laughs> like you know, like no. like that year, Nylander no. wasn't on the training camp sheets, right? No. He wasn't. Right, so that's a different thing. Because he was an unsigned RFA, so. Right, but Barzell is. Okay. Barzell's unsigned too, but Lou also yeah. knows that if he's not on the sheet there, it's going to be complete scrutiny on radio and everything. Not that the Leafs wouldn't, but I don't think the Leafs – this is Barzell. He's a lot more important than Nylander. That's the bottom line. more important than Nylander, but I also, I also tend to feel, because of the way Lou is acting about this, that, that, there are, that Lou has a couple options to Barzell. Barzell. Sure. And that that he, that he thinks he's going to take one of them or the other one, and the the concept is maybe it's just maybe it's probably it's obviously it's a bridge or a long term deal, but maybe also Lou is thinking back, thinking a little bit about getting in on Patrick Line or Pierre Luc Dubois, and I, I you know this seems like a Lamorello type of time that he would do that. You know, well, and, more 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 Dubois than Line Yeah, I think more Dubois than Line too. Or one you two years, it's a lot solid. You got, exactly. two. you got two years at five million bucks, where you know he's not going to be paid. I mean, Jordan Eberle is going to be making more money. Uh, Andres Lee is going to be making more money. Than- How does this help sign Barzo? Because they're not going to trade Barzo to Yarmo. Because that's, that's the problem. Yarmo's not going to want to negotiate trade Barzo to Yarmo. They're not going. They, no, he would want be this. He would, they would have both of them. But that would be. This would be like okay, we can get him. We're going to sign you to a to a to a bridge deal at less money too, and then you've got you, know, okay. you got a situation like that. But they already have to agree but, to a bridge but, deal. Here's yeah. here here's the issue because I mean you know Eck, I know that you wrote a few days ago about Line A Dubois as a potential trade. Right, trade, trade. Pierre, Pierre LeBrun mentioned the same thing because there were similar situations in yeah. terms of they're con- they're, they're hating to be where they are right now. This is the problem, and I come back to this with Line A. Nobody in their right mind is paying Patrick Line nine million bucks, which is probably what he's gonna ask, even in a choked market because of finances. Nobody's gonna pay him when he when a lot of people don't believe he's a core player. He's a great player, he's a great scorer, he's not a core piece the way he's currently constituted, and that's the problem. I agree with most of that, but I don't necessarily agree that I think there are more people who think he's a core piece than than don't think he's a core piece in the NHL. I think, that's, I think that's the I case. I just don't see it. But anyway, I think, I think, I mean, I, you can have your own opinion on it, but I, I think yeah. the, still the idea out there is that, that, you know, when I talk to people higher up, there are more people who still think of him as like this guy. I think there's half the teams in the league. If he gets traded to him, they look at him as a core piece. And I think there's half that wouldn't. That's right. I think that's where it comes down to. But he's like, some people see him like, you know, a mini Ovechkin type character and he's not Ovechkin, but he's, a, he's like, he's a poor man's Ovechkin or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I don't think that, I don't think Line is going anywhere, and I don't think I don't think Dubois I don't think he's going anywhere right now. No, I don't think either player is going anywhere this year. I think this year is, you know, there's too much uncertainty, there's too much craziness. I mean, I can um, see Dubois but, getting traded at the deadline. I could. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If they're out of it, if they're out of it, or if they're getting somebody back that could play the same position, I think it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. I, I think that, 
Because I mean, I think Columbus is going to be in it, though. Um, and I no, think I think, I think they probably will be in it. But I also think that again, we don't know how this is going to wear on during the season. I know yeah. Yarmo handled it correctly, saying, "Hey, they handled the negotiations great. They're professional and everything." But then you also have a coach that says, "I'm going to chat with him about it." And we're going to be open with the media about it. Like, uh, you know, those are little warning signs there by Torres. Now, Yarmo, yeah. one thing I've noticed about him over the years, and it's easier to talk about now even, is that he is very much the, the kind of general manager who's like not worried about it at all. Because, Correct. And he's the kind of guy who's sitting there, he's going to say, you know what? We have him for two years. He can't go anywhere. We have right. him for that. He can't go anywhere. So I'm not going to, he's not going to be my concern. He's not right. going to sit there and, 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 and worry as much as we're going to talk about Barzell. We're going to talk about Barzell. I'm not Barzell. We're going to talk about Dubois more than Yarmo is going to think about Dubois. Over the I next think that's year. fair. You know, he's just, he's going to be like, okay, I got him. He's, he's ours. He can't go anywhere. He doesn't have, he's going to play or not play. If he doesn't play well, then he's going to, you know, hurt himself. And it's not going to, there's, right. no, there's nothing, you know, this is, this is very typical Yarmo and very typical Columbus attitude. That's the way they do things. Now and it works for them. Now, a couple contracts that were signed the last couple of days, I think we should talk about. One, uh, Dylan Strome, a two-year yeah. deal, $3 million per. He basically had Chicago between a rock and a hard place with the Taves deal. So he didn't, he didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't rake him over the coals. That's pretty yeah. reasonable. So I, I think that was, a, that was a good move on him. But with Dotch out and with Taves in you know questionable, you know, they needed Strome back, and he'll probably be their number one center until Taves gets back. The other one is the the Marino contract, Russ, and I, I love this deal for for uh, uh, for Pittsburgh because they get it done before uh, proactively a year before his ELC expires. They right. get it at four point four. So they they've established they did this with uh, um, Patterson. They've, yeah. done, they've done it with uh, who was the other uh, veteran? The veteran that they, did, they just did a couple years a couple years ago. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Dumoulin, okay. Dumoulin at four point one, yeah. Patterson at four, four, a little over four, and now they've done the same thing with Marino. They're being proactive, and they're getting the benefit for being proactive because they're getting these guys around four, as yeah. opposed to waiting an extra year and then having to pay five, five and a half. Okay, now here's an interesting yeah. thing. So, of course, this came up in the Philly press box, and everybody in Philly is not everybody. A few writers in Philly are like, "Hey, boy, we really got to steal on Myers because look at what the." Penguins are paying for Marino. And I had to point out that Marino was like a a really great offensive player in college for Cornell. And then he came on the scene in in the Pittsburgh and and he took it by, you know, the reins and he did great. Now, if you prorate his points, he'd be around 30 something points. He could definitely get a 40 point season in every year. I don't know if Myers will get 40 points every year because he's, he's physical and he's a good defender, but I don't know if he's going to get those points. And I think that's why his money is, was a little lower to start as well. I think this is smart for Pittsburgh because I don't think they're re-signing Latang. What's he in his last year? Um, I think he's got two years two left. Years left. I don't think they're re-signing him. No, they could even move him, you know, at some point. Yeah. We talked about it. I I think I think Marino is the kind of guy that he, he's such a smart character too. Like they, he, they also they talk, talk to him. You know, he's just like he is definitely the kind of guy you can see being an assistant captain someday. He's just solid. He knows mm-hmm. And he, he works really well, and he just he just knows, like he was a scorer, but he also knows they get at Cornell, like you said. And I followed him closely because my wife, you know, was like I say Cornell, and I followed the Cornell guys a little bit. Don't closer. ever talk about Dan Marino in the show, Michael Cohen, because I have nothing good to say about Dan Marino. Go ahead, anyhow. But this Marino um, was way is, is definitely one of those guys who's 
this is this is a great signing. This is going to be considered one that this will be considered a great signing eventually. This I reminds me a lot of you know like some of the signings that you've seen, like um like the Couturier signing. I mean, what choice they have anyhow, really? Right, right. You know, well, we get actually. So he played at, at Harvard, not Cornell. Sorry. Yeah, not at Harvard. Yeah, right. Letang, they could end. Think of the same person you're thinking of. Letang, they could end up exposing in the expansion draft. Right. That yeah, that that's an interesting one. Marino. Yeah, no, I've definitely talked to him. I'm, 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 I don't think they would even think about exposing him because they don't have anything on the horizon to replace Latang. This is the only guy that they have that could replace Latang. Yeah, I mean, and then he won't be Chris Latang, obviously. I mean, yeah, if you let, if you you could expose him though. It depends on what happens this year. I think Latang. What happens this year with Latang is going to tell everything. Like if he still can play at a high level, or if he drops. No, him. you could expose Latang. I thought Mike said Marino. I'm sorry. Yeah, Latang. Yeah. I think if oh, yeah, I, think, I think you're right. They could expose Latang. My yeah. bad. It's a kind of contract that you know that would be a tough one maybe for Seattle to take on. But at the same time, but it's only right. for a year. And and also right. also act they could end up tur turning around and flipping them someplace else and getting the assets for. Them. I mean, a team that really? a team that a team that is that is in a stand like a team that has the cap space that is in a Stanley in the race for the Stanley Cup. A guy who's won three Stanley Cups in his career. Yeah. If he still has something left for one year, and if they eat money, they could eat three point six million of it. You you could get a first round pick for that. That's 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 the kind of stuff Ron Francis is going to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're saying that the Perlo in the chat room says he would take Marino over Myers all day long. That's a tough one. Um, I mean, right now, today, I would. I don't know right if I would, I would too. Here. But there is a lot in Myers' game that there is. That, that that you start you're starting to see bits and pieces of that yes. could prove into something that he's a much he's a yeah. much more rare type of defenseman Myers if he turns into everything he can be oh yeah then he then he's better then no. he's like a smaller pronger type player and just but and but like in that line of work in my mind that's different now we can we continue to see the PTOs uh, flow through yep. here. Yannick Weber with Nashville, he was there last year, so he's probably they'll probably sign him. Michael Stone with Calgary, you know, he's been bought out by Calgary, signed by Calgary. Now he's PTO Michael Stone thing is crazy. It is. It goes on and on and on. It just it's uh, like the Tommy Albaline. Yeah, exactly. he's trying for like the uh, like the Gordy Howe hat trick of like transaction. Yeah. Now, Russ, Russ, this one I was curious about Boo Nieves with uh, with Tampa Bay. Bunievis, okay, here's the thing about Bunievis. So when the Rangers drafted him, they thought he had exceptional speed. I didn't like the draft pick because I didn't think he did. They started using him. Quinn started using him on the fourth line. He's not really a fourth line guy because he doesn't really have that truculence in his game. Could he play in the NHL on a third line? Maybe. So yeah. someday, I think if, if they give him a chance to develop a little more, he's had AHL time and he's been pretty good. He might be able to be like a third line guy that does a little bit of something, but yeah, that's why I think it. But he's not a fourth line guy. Yeah, I think I think the Arizona Coyotes are stockpiling Tucson because they've PTO'd Jordan Schmaltz, Zane McIntyre, and Freddie Gauthier. So it's they're um, in an interesting position because they are so weird and so and, and are lacking players and and can't spend any money, but they are also a, this absurd absurd amount of players available. That um, they could end up getting some guys for way less than you'd ever expect them to get them for. Like, yeah, they, Arizona could be the place to, where people go when they can't go anywhere. The thing about Zane McIntyre is if you remember years, and Ty would remember this, the Bruins loved their goalies and their system, and they yeah. always 
fans do, and they always overhype them. Yep. And I remember hearing the McIntyre hype. Like yeah. before they brought Halak in, there was so much talk about McIntyre and, and Malcolm Subban in the back in the day. Right. I mean, uh, now he's 28, but still, it's not a bad guy to bring in. Along the lines of what what happened with Hoffman and St. Louis, the Travis Hamonic PTO with. Vancouver. I mean, we, how many times did we mention Hamannick and Vancouver? Yeah, it, to be it, it seems like it was inevitable, and I think they were trying to get, they were trying to do it before this, and I think that inevitably, I think they're just buying time to do something else. Though I think they're. I don't know what, what it is, Zach, and I, I heard from a Vancouver reporter is that Vancouver is waiting to just before the regular season starts to put Furland on LTIR. That opens up three and a half million in cap space. They're over the cap right now. So I think after they put them on LTIR, they'd have about two million in cap space, and that would go to signing Hamnick and, and yeah. you know, with some with some maybe some room to spare. Um, right. Just, just like just like Hoffman in, in St. Louis with the Tarasenko and the uh Steen LTIR. That I don't believe until it happens. But we'll see. I know, I know, I know. We'll see. No, I don't I think they're Gonna put Steen on LT. I ain't got all that. Heck, I got a one minute. I'm gonna tell you a one minute Dan Marino story. So when I uh, moved from New York, I moved down to uh, Midlothian, Virginia, near Richmond, and I was working. I took a job in the restaurant part of the hotel business, and I was working at a Sheridan. So all of a sudden, one day, I see Dan Marino, and I happen to have a waiter down there who's a big Miami fan, and we always talk Miami Jets, right? And I said, Wes, you see that guy over there? He goes, Oh my God, that's Dan Marino. I'm like, Yeah. He just sat. In the table, you know how there's a table that people wait to get into the restaurant? Right. There's no, nothing on the table. There's no right. silverware. Right. He sat down at that table with like six people and expected to get served out there. And I said, you go serve that, and I won't say the curse word, and I don't want to hear, don't make a mistake because I don't want to have to talk to him. Richard. <laughs> nice. Now, no, that, that, he was there to do, you may remember this, you may not. He did a pony commercial with Mary Lou Retton. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Was he, was he wearing his was he wearing his ice or toner gloves? <laughs> but that's what he was down there for. Mary Lou Retton, man, she did a lot of bad things. Like as far as commercials go and TV and, and oh, sorry, got the sniffles. Sorry, she, she sold herself in. out. She in. Sold herself out in so many different ways. Um, all right, so I guess um, the okay, so there's a couple of questions. There's a question I wanted to answer here. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, all right, this is what I was looking at. Um. As my reason, he said his roster isn't set. This is a good one. Um, I went. In, I've been talking to Kevin a little bit about this too, and there is that is a team, you know. And we're still going to see stuff with Ottawa. I was told Ottawa, Detroit, and Arizona are like the three teams where anything can still kind of happen, and you're yeah. going to see some weird, weird, weird things. Weird well, things. They had money. Yeah, and I wonder. And the Islanders, and the Islanders, you know, are not 100% set either. Um, like we talked about there, I mean, we know obviously Matthew Barzell's got to sign, but they could. They, I still, it it feels every bit like Lamorello's trying some, trying to do something. Well, okay, Thomas Boyle here. This is plausible. Uh, Hickey is injured, so he would go on LTIR. He's right. got he's had concussion issues. He probably right. I don't know if he ever plays again. Leo Komarov, I believe, has one year left, maybe two. Let me see. I'm yeah. just quickly here i think it's two that was a bad contract it was a terrible contract and that's two right. two years and never three, takes the hit for bad contracts ever no 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 never no, uh, so two years left at three million but he did play for dj smith in toronto as dj smith was an assistant in toronto um and I think there's a possibility. Now the money goes down on Komarov. Yeah. So this is, that automatically makes it more attractive to UG right. because the cap hit is higher yeah. than the actual money. 
Um, you could see that. It's like maybe like an Artemisimov, which is a one-year hit, right? As opposed to two years, something like that, or something else. But I, I, you know, you could see Komarov going to Ottawa, possibly. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so we're running out of time. We do want to get into Kako, um, though, playing it with Panarin. Um, in in New York, Russ. I was sure that you know. Well, I think they want to get Kako some open ice. Hopefully, his skating has improved, and I'm sure he's stronger than he was last year. So yeah, it's it's a good move because you when he is around the net, he's got exceptional hands. Definitely, and you yeah. see some of his goals last year; they're just brilliant. But to get from A to B was yeah. hard for him. If you have Panarin, he's going to get there, right? Because Panarin right. can hold the puck and. And give him that space. Now, can yeah, I just as a just as a brief note? I don't think any other general manager in this league could come out, and I believe Lou came out in his media availability and said, "We have signed Corey Schneider, Andy Green, and Matt Martin." Right. Okay. Right. You've signed them. Yeah. Okay. Where's the contracts? They're not a cap friendly. They haven't been announced. We don't know. <laughs> the He's waiting until he gets the Barzil deal done to this announce is, this is his this is his MO. It's always been his MO. And you know any other general manager. Oh, we announce the contracts. Where's the contract? Oh, this. He does get more latitude than any GM in the league. There's no question about that. People are terrified of him. People are afraid of him. I'm I, I am not afraid of him. And it was, it was funny. He knows the funny thing is I and, and he and he reads hockey. He I man, he reads hockey buzz all the freaking time. Like I hear about it all the time, and I'm not I, I don't. I love it because you know that you know, might me too, which is really funny. I won't even get into the nickname he's got for me, but um, it's like it's really funny. So, but it, it, and you know he's got to receive likes what I do, he, and it's funny because I'm like exactly opposite of what you would think he would like because he hates rumors. He hates rumors in every which way. Um, but people are intimidated by the guy because he comes off as this like you know mob boss, yet he's like the nicest, sweetest guy in the world deep down. His nickname for you is Cinecilo. Yeah, right. <laughs> Very nice. That's not it, but um. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, but he calls me. I'll tell you guys after the show. Um, but it, yeah, it's um, he's really just like cracks me up. And I think that he him doing this is so Lou and it's so like wonderful. Like, he may not have signed them. That's the funny right. thing. Well, no, he he, he you know, we know he's going to sign them. He knows it, and he's known it since the end of last year at exactly right. the rate he's going to sign them for too. Right. He doesn't lot. He just does not show his cards to anybody. Right. And he hates the fact that he hates the fact that contracts are, are out there like to be had. So he's, it's going to play into his line. He's not going to give anybody the satisfaction of putting it on. Yeah, and Schneider will be in the AHL. So that's not a big deal. No, he'll be on the taxi squad. Yeah. Or taxi squad. Green can miss camp and be fine. Like even if he misses part of camp, he's fine because he, he's a veteran. Yeah, he loves Schneider, of course, and that's Martin. Uh, same thing. He's a veteran. You could put him in there; it won't matter. Yeah, yeah Matt, Schneider Matt, a lot. He, he also he also helps takes care of his friends, you know, and he does. Matt Martin, is too, Matt Martin is too busy taking care of his little baby daughter, which she's adorable, by the way. So, <laughs> no, you see the pictures of her. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, Boomer Esiason's yeah. daughter and and yeah. Matt. Matt Martin is beloved on Long Island. They love him on the island, they and he's loved in Toronto. Yeah, except everybody liked him for sure. Everybody's liked him. Um, really, everybody has definitely liked him. Um, all right, that's all the time we have for today, guys. Um, we'll be back again tomorrow. If you like what you see, if you want to support the show at all, we would really appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash hockey and just you know, a couple bucks. You know, we got we have like you know, a couple hundred of you guys that watch every single day. If you guys would all like if the people watch every day would just put like five bucks into patreon.com slash hockey for us a month, uh, uh, we'd all be in a lot better shape. Um, so that's just, that's, um, you know, 
you know, I mean, we, we brought you through two non non hockey playing you know periods of time, in a very through. Of time. yes since last march we've had what three months of hockey and nine months without hockey basically it's just it's insane i mean really we so we and we've never stopped we've continued going That's so, a lot of value but yeah we try so if you get anything out of this at all personally um please go to patreon.com slash hockey and help us support it. we'd really appreciate it any any little bit would help for now remember without the buzz it's just hockey enjoy the games tonight they're gonna be great